0: na you're listening to a Tata Yahoro for Education podcast. Tua tahi ake nei ratume he kāku e te hoa e te tau he ki te ka kanohi he hikuka mana naira nei ra to hoa miroe me hia mm. tona kāku e Kāre he tāke kitefa ka mohio atu kua itenei nā te mehe hoa. <laughs> Okay, kapa. As Hannah says, you
1: know, people always say you need no introduction, then they introduce you. But um, Hannah knows me, and I know Hannah. Um, she's one of my most precious teachers. And then friends, um, being a teacher's pet from way back, <laughs> trying to make friends. I even married a, my teacher.
0: Oh, yeah, no. Okay, that's another yes, story, that not is. for this
1: episode. Mm, or will it be? Ah, ko Stacy Morrison talku ingoa no ngatira kehu ki wai doa uh, a taia tira ki konu no ngaitahu no te tahotoku kuiya no tuharagi ngati wahia no te ara waka uh, no te tōku fire he a uh, parka a huki ahi. Uh, no te kiakwe, e te it's always hard when you have friends talking to friends, it's hard not to be silly, so we'll try not to be silly. Everybody. Professional, we're channeling the professional <laughs> in us both.
0: E hoa, I've had the privilege of watching you as a as a friend and as a fanoka. And watching the journey that you've gone on—it's actually really weird speaking English, English to each other, right? We right. Are we—are really we, like we owning this Yeah, We're owning yeah. this, okay. So let's let's give it a go because we like walking into these vulnerable spaces, <laughs> right? Cool, yeah. So, I've had the incredible privilege of watching you on your language journey, and not only just your language journey for yourself, but for your family. And you've become an inspiration and as a whānau role models uh, for those who are wanting to do the same to bring it into their lives and to make it uh, something that isn't just a language that you learn in the classroom but a language that lives within whānau. So, can you? Please share with us and with our kaiwhakaroko, our, our minika now today, what's a, a story about something you and your Fano have done that's helped you celebrate the language in a way that brings it home and that can inspire others to do the same?
1: Yeah, I guess in terms of understanding where we come from as a Fano, I see the looks on people's faces where they when they see that my husband, whose name is Tamanaho Scotty Morrison, who presents to Karere and has written lots of Māori language books, when they discover that he wasn't brought up speaking Māori, and they only learnt at university. And not even for a very academic reason, it was just that Māori introduction to Māori language was the one subject that gave him a three-day weekend. So there's nothing, <laughs> <laughs> nothing particularly deep about No greater that. purpose. No, no. <laughs> But to me it revealed his destiny as a person, as a man, and unleashed his potential as a person. So then I think about the latent potential in so many of us and, and I've heard Scotty say that ill is part of us. It might be sleeping, but all we need to do is to wake it up and you know, mefika or that feeling of, of kind of like being in a half sleep and, and sort of understanding something but not, but feeling connected to it, it's, it's, a, it's a hard feeling actually to feel like you kind of could understand the real if and, and speak the real if the world was different mm. and so then reclaiming that is massive and just because I've been able to do that as a whānau, because I was like an intermediate sort of speaker by the time I met Scotty and he was a fluent speaker. So, therefore, our vision and our kind of lofty dream for our whānau became possible, but it's blooming hard yards, mm. really hard yards. And that's with two people who have some capacity. So, I, you know, I've got lots of friends who either have one person who can speak Māori or two who are kind of just crawling along. And they find it hard, and we found it hard. So I don't mean it to put anyone off, but I just mean to be realistic about my privilege. as well. I you know. absolutely
0: get that. I mean, as you know, my situation, we don't need to go into all the details of my past. I'd love to, personally, but <laughs> <loved your> <laughs> no, no, not this podcast. <laughs> not this podcast. But as you know, and I've been in the situation as, as the only Adele speaker raising my children with Te Reo Māori at home. And so I absolutely get what you're saying, that if it you know if it's hard for people who even affluent but you know only one person is championing it at, at, in, in the home how hard is it for others who are on that language journey when you've come across those obstacles when you've got to that point when you know you're pulling your hair out literally because you don't know the kupu you don't know what to say your kids are not going to sleep at the right time you've got all the usual stresses of raising tamariki and you're at that point what gets you through what helps you to stay hard to that kaupapa and to hold on to those aspirations that you had
1: yeah i realized in a few years of doing the kura Whakaraora, so the maori language planning wananga that we've been part of <laughs> it took me a couple of years to realize oh my gosh i could have given up like i mm. i could have decided I could have changed my mind. I could have gone, it's too hard. But it took me that long to even consider that. So that either means that I'm really stubborn or stupid, but <laughs> I really didn't consider it. Because, and one of the reasons is because that's become the language I speak to my children in. So it feels awkward and weird not to do that. Just like now with us, right? Yeah, I feel weird speaking <laughs> English to you. <laughs> and then, but... So that's what it is. I ch- we change the hard wiring mm. in our whanau. But then also, I do want people to know that it's... it's I know we're hard out. You and I, we're hard out. We're a little, bit poor dang-y, you know, a little bit crazy in terms of how hard we go. But I just think anyone who has gives their children more than they ever had, kutsuki, you know, like that's success as well. To give everything you can yeah. possibly give, right? Yeah, and that's... There's lots of things that will impact that, but I had a young woman in tears in front of me uh, just a few weeks ago going, I'm so embarrassed, I don't, you know, it was actually about kapaka, I don't know these words, I didn't have time to do this, you know, I was feeling stressed. And I said, honey, you know about 400% more than I did at your age. You're 16, I knew nothing, literally nothing at your age, it's going to be okay. And sometimes just protecting the experiences we have around the ill is a really, is a success as well. But just... Look at the things that are success that don't even feel like it. Like, I remember you've been really hard on yourself unnecessarily about, you know, what you've given to your kids or what what utopia or what what given to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird,
0: eh? It is. Well, we can be our biggest critic and perhaps that's because we have the biggest dreams for them and we don't want to fall short of those dreams. And I know watching you and the whanau and our beautiful my beautiful iraamutu that it must be so rewarding to watch Kudawaka. i've just seen you know you posting the the photos of Kudawaka and the and was it the the breakers were they like oh yeah yeah they, yeah? yeah they were opening for the opening for breakers the breakers game. and yeah, just every opportunity that they had yeah. it must be a huge sense of satisfaction to see the the sweat that has fallen from your brow right that
1: you uh, can see you can see the opportunities that that world has created for them, yeah, it is opportunities, yeah, and that and yeah, I don't feel like I own it, but i I feel grateful, but it's also having them in environments, so she's at uh, Ngapuno Waiorea, and so they are as a as a very well known and top performing kapahaka school that's why they get those opportunities, so yeah, I do. You know, when we talk about intergenerational healing, I think it's important to remember it's not from a parent down. That's mm. not the only way healing happens. It's from our kids up to us. Beautiful. And us up to our, you know, my dad, who's a, you know, as a power now, he tells me so often how much joy it gives him that he can drive his mokopuna to school at um, Te Whanau Tahi in Christchurch and that he'll speak Māori to him. Like, he, his voice cracks in terms of how much it means to him. So that intergenerational healing is from generations up you know from above to below below to above and that's it has to feel like that or else it's all hard you need the joy and you need the sense of success and gratitude that we still have a language to speak and love and and be joyous and because you know I look at a lot of indigenous people or a lot of black Americans they'll never speak their ancestral language so you know I really feel this privilege and want to honour this privilege. And the importance,
0: yeah. the importance of taking a moment to reflect on mm. the success rather than always beating ourselves up yeah. for what we haven't achieved. I remember how bad your father was at doing his homework. Like he, would, <laughs> he would turn up <laughs> month after month. He had not done his homework and, you know, you were there trying to support him. But that also just to acknowledge for somebody of his age and yeah. that generation yeah. that he started that language journey with you,
1: right? Yeah. And he's 68 now, but I would say that he has different presenting language trauma. So language trauma that we sort of, you know, people like Professor Darwinia Higgins have have helped people understand. It's it's genuine, it's real. And so with my dad, I see a mother who is a native speaker. His associations with the real and his memories of the real are part of what makes it hard for him to be a good learner of the real. And funnily enough, with... My nephew, the Mokopuna I was talking about, I think that's actually probably getting through more than anything. And he said to me, when he finishes full time mahi, he's going to Beautiful. do the deal full time. Yeah.
0: And so there you have an example of not just a lifelong learner, but somebody who hasn't given up.
1: He's yeah. Carrying on, Mike McRoberts. Like He's back doing, um, you know, studying full time and being on the news every night. I bet you his brain is going, what, you want me to speak English on TV now?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you're known for one of the things that you say, which is mioreo is your superpower. And I've heard you use that in a whole range of different contexts. If we think of learners and teachers, you know, ed- those in the education world, it doesn't matter where they are. How can they help take that saying, you know, what is it, what can that, well, what does it mean to you, but what can that mean to them in terms of creating that sense of excitement and awe and respect for the language that it can be a superpower in terms of what we want for our tamariki, our
1: mokopuna, for our learners? Yeah, I guess most importantly it's a superpower for all of us. So what I find deep satisfaction in is that as I was growing up, I was taught that it was a deficit and a deficiency that Te Reo Māori was only spoken in New Zealand. Now I flip it and I feel like, wow, look at this unique tonga that we only have in New Zealand. So that means that's for all of us. This is a superpower that tells us how to, and how to speak to the Fenua, how to uh, consider energy, Modi, in a different way. And that honestly is something that's good for humanity. Like, I just think that the deep brilliance embedded in the language is so exciting for anybody. So you th- like you're talking about all learners, all Teachers. Aotearoa. Yep, yep. And, and and what a educator can do is give status and mana to the real. So even if you never you don't think that you're fluent, when you advocate and you see and and you you elevate the mana of the reo in lots of different ways. First of all, by including it in your practice, by ensuring you have good pronunciation, by celebrating Maori speakers and their ways of thinking and their creativity. That gives mana and status to the reo. And to me, that's you activating a superpower.
0: And that, would they be the practical ways? You can see that happening within the classroom or a learning environment. Yeah. Like, if you didn't have the confidence of today or could you give me an example of what you might do to elevate it and to give it that manner?
1: Yeah well that it's something like say I give an example from one of my kids they have this thing at their school where you achieve colours or badges and it's a big thing and that's the culture of their school you know how some schools the, the badges on your blazer is a big thing it is for their particular school and so there's a one that's a cultural badge that is usually um, around music, actually, music and performance and, and that kind of culture. But then ensuring that kapahaka leaders get that culture badge, and, and you're probably picking up that it's a largely English medium school, naurumaki, then that says, OK, we recognise this at that level. Yes, that right. you're at the same level as the violinist.
0: Which means you're suggesting it's not only what they might do in the classroom, but also in the way they treat the language and the culture and that knowledge and that cultural knowledge throughout all of the decision-making at the school. How it's placed within the policy, I guess, and the rules, but
1: also what's recognised and what's valued, right? And so that's visibility, it's amplification it's relevance how do we say in our learning environment that te reo maori is relevant and one of the things you know just good pronunciation that shows that you give respect you to care the, yeah you've, you've taken some time you put some effort and and it's hard I can see it's hard I work with some learners who are you know executive level and they will have some things where they just they're Pronunciation is fantastic, and I'm like, go, you know, punch in the air, going, Yeah, nailed it. And then they say Maori, and that's because their programming from when they were kids that's how they heard it so much. Or a place name near them, they just always heard it as one way param, you know. So, I understand there is different types of readjusting and relearning that people are engaged in, but honestly, the effort and the intention is is the hugest thing.
0: And actually, when we think about it. There is effort, but maybe we give too much weight to that. It's actually not that hard to learn how to pronounce Māori if you put the time into it, right? So you've got to put the time and you've got to be committed to it. But maybe as our final question and point to discuss, thinking about that, thinking about, you know, I've had a couple of failures in life. Again, we're not talking about those (laughs) ones. I'm, I'm talking about... People that I've worked with really yeah. hard to be able to pronounce Māori and to get to that threshold. And over, you know, thousands, I would say there's two that, that yeah. I'd probably think it's not, their, it's not their thing, right? But generally, I would say 10 to 15 hours of concerted effort to learn the rules and yeah. then to work to apply the rules You're there, right? Yeah. How much difference does it make? to be on the other side, and even though these people are struggling, but they've taken that step, they've leaned into that vulnerability, how, how much does it mean to people like your tamariki, like your Fano, to see those people making that
1: effort to go into that space and make that commitment? I think, for one thing, it tells, pe- it tells a student that teachers are lifelong learners too. It tells them that the possibilities are endless, and that if you are an engaged person who wants to, sh- you know, wants to continue to learn, that's what you do. And surely that's what we're asking of students. We're asking them to be con- constantly curious and putting effort in. And it really does just say, oh, you know, I this is the sort of New Zealander I want to be. I make this effort and honestly, it's not about perfection. I get a lot of people saying to me, oh, I just get, I get so embarrassed and I, and I feel like I'm all tied up and I go, yeah, we all do, I promise, it's not just you. And that's the resilience around language learning that we miss if we are so determined to be monolingual, you know, so all of these, what they call soft skills, I guess, around language learning are actually fantastic human skills. So I think that giving status and mana to the ill just by putting some effort in to say it properly, it means that we will remove some embarrassment, you know, sort of titters if a name isn't said properly, you know, correctly, those kind of things. And just recognising that those things have changed, even in the last maybe five, six yeah. years. Just recognising if people feel like, whoa, whoa, I feel a bit of whiplash. How did that all change so quickly? It did, but that's because I think people feel... That it it feels right, it feels like well, this we is know our it is generation. the right thing to do, yeah. right? Yeah, to do what's
0: right, and if we know that this is how the language is meant to be pronounced, that we do that too, we give that the manner that it's
1: due. Yeah, it actually, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm not being biased here, but like, <laughs> the ko sounds better than tikawata.
0: Yeah, well, hey, we've got a place in, we've got a place down south that I know that you know that's called. Kūrao, yeah, and it's you know K K U R O W Kurau, but the word is Te kuhurau. Yeah, you know kurao doesn't mean anything, but Te yeah. is beautiful, the multitude of mist, and that's exactly what you see on yeah. the mountain, um, and that is named wow. after it. You know, so I look, I'm a hundred percent behind you, but you know that I'm hundred percent behind you, and perhaps maybe just as my final cordial. It is really important if you're trying and you're learning to model, as you say, to model what it is to be a learner, right? And it's okay to make mistakes as long as you do everything you can to get better. And there's no greater, there should be no greater sense of achievement as a teacher, as a facilitator of knowledge, than to see your student excel beyond your realms of possibility Mm -hmm. and Stace as your old teacher can I just say my young teacher what absolute pleasure it has been not only to have this quarter with you but to be able to be in a position where I was a facilitator of some knowledge Mm -hmm. and now to see you literally literally rising to the horizons of potential and aspiration and inspiration for our people I am now Fully fangirling on you, <laughs> oh and you're and I take it as a as a point of pride to have been on that journey with you. So I can only aspire to the fact that someday I'm going to be like you, oh and goodness. you remain my inspiration. <laughs> Nā reire, oh. te tūhia kia mōhiomai koe, uh, ko e a koe te e fa mai ite mōi mōi a kātai te ite afero kātutuki mehe mea kau poko pakaru to kārafu.
1: Kia ora rā e a. Yeah. Ora rā. You've been listening to a Tata Ahorau Core Education Podcast.